You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to expand your financial game? NerdWallet can coach you on smart strategies like choosing investments, finding your next credit card, and setting a budget that works for you. Score major points towards your summer vacation by learning expert tips for choosing a high-yield savings account and how to build wealth by investing in index funds. Slide into summer with smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to It's Always Game Day in Kansas City. I am your host, Kayla Canaram. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Cody Tapp, and our producer, Nick Schwert. We are gearing up for the divisional round as we face the Jaguars. We are all very excited. Guys, how are we feeling? What's our what's our, our headspace right now? I mean, I feel I, okay. Be, before uh, we dive into today's show. Well, I feel I feel I feel better than if they were facing the Chargers. So I feel pretty good midweek. Okay, episode. let's dive into that then, because <laughs> you have done nothing but degrade the Chargers over the last two weeks for how bad their coach is, for how terrible yeah. of a franchise they are. Uh-huh. So how Poverty can franchise. you? Okay, okay, there we go. See, now we're adding to it. So how can you say <laughs> all of these things yet still believe that? they would be a worse matchup for the Chiefs. So all those things I say about the Chargers only exist in games except for when they play the Chiefs. They're actually a completely different team. It's like an alternate universe. Here's the timeline. Here's how the Chargers play all the time. Here they are against the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. So so here's why I think you might be wrong is because the first time these teams met this year, the Chargers had the ball at like the two-yard line. And threw a pick six to a seventh round rookie cornerback. That, my friend, is the definition of charging. No, maybe the definition of charging is blowing a twenty-seven point lead in uh, in the wild card round. But maybe a step below that, like a side note, would be uh, what they did in the the first Chiefs game this year. The other part I don't like is divisional games are weird. And I think the wild card round taught us that the Ravens were on a second slash third string quarterback, and the Dolphins were on a third string quarterback. And they both almost won. So don't want to do that. Don't even care if I think they're a laughing stock. I'm not interested. I'd much rather take on the Jags. Well, that leads us into our first question, guys. Has the lesson of the playoffs thus far been that no lead is safe? Will Andy keep his foot on the gas after several big leads were blown this season, especially against the Jaguars, which we saw he could have done last time and didn't? Well, and it's just a fair question overall. Like, Nick, if I if I said, hey, I want you to put together an album, the five worst things Andy Reid does, like it's a greatest hits. Where on that on that list for sure, if I made you list five, is Andy doesn't close games, right? Andy doesn't put teams away. Doesn't run the ball is on there, sure. Like, you know, the, the normal the clock management, right? If we were putting together a list, they're on there. But so is does not put his foot on the gas, does not just bury teams tries to grind out ugly wins and frustrates the hell out of you. And if this postseason taught us something, it's that's a very dangerous methodology that could get you in serious trouble. But I think that Andy knows. I think Andy's team this year in particular has had to play that game a lot because they're 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 a 14-win team, but it was dicier than that a lot of times. And I think even when they weren't trying to just grind out a game, 
they found themselves in close games in which they had big leads. And over the last three seasons, they've lost to the Cincinnati Bengals three times when they had a double-digit lead. I think Andy's probably learned this lesson the hard way over the last two years, so I don't think he's going to fall into that trap again this postseason. Yeah, but I don't know if that's something that really even crosses his mind. I don't think that that's something. I don't think that's entering his headspace this week, which is gotta keep gotta keep pouring it on. Like I think that's always the goal. But even like the the flip side of that has been true, where you feel like the Chiefs have a chance to put the game away, and then you just want them to run out the clock, right? Let's kill some clock. Let's run the ball. And then they won't do that because he's still being ultra aggressive with play calling, trying to pass and obvious running situations in the fourth quarter. So I don't know if it's a letting the foot off the pedal other than I I hate to say lack of situational awareness, because that would be unfair to to claim for one of the best coaches and play callers of all time. But I do think that Andy gets so laser focused in just the play calling. What's the best play I have? What do I want to do? What is the other team's defense doing? How can I exploit that? What's the best play we have against the way that they're playing us that sometimes I don't think he is always taking into account what's the score? How much time's left? How is the other team's offense performing? Should we take that into account? I think for him, it's just, and that's what makes, part of what makes him so great is that he is just so laser focused on play calling that the situational stuff maybe gets kind of lost or put on the back burner sometimes. I think with him, and there's there's probably truth in that, he is he's great at that, though, Nick. So it's like it's weird because Andy has those games. Like he himself has blown a 28-point lead in a postseason game. And someone did the math after that game and said, had he just knelt, there was not enough time for the other team to win. He could have just knelt. It's not even tried. Just gave up. Just, just, just stop trying to score. And they could have still won the game. I just, it's hard because if it's going to happen in a game, it's this one. But it's like, you just watched them come back from 27. You watched them come back this year from three and seven. You know, Doug Peterson's creative and will go for shit. It's like, this is not the team to sleep on. I think Andy should know that. The other two are easy. You know you got to close out against Cincinnati. You know that Buffalo can come back from any deficit. But with if it was going to happen, it feels like it would happen against the Jags. And because it's Doug Peterson and because we just watched them come back from this massive performance, it kind of feels like they shouldn't fall back into that trap again. I'll be honest. I'm nervous. Postseason makes me nervous in general. But yeah, we can't have any mercy against the Jags on Saturday. I know all of these coaches are his friends, but... I just, I don't want to sweat this out, and I'm worried that's what's going to happen. Oh, I don't think there's any reason not to expect that this is going to be sort of a sweat. There's there's varying degrees yeah. of the sweat factor, right? So I'm going to trademark that, the sweat factor. Well, my palm's already sweating, and we're not even to Saturday. Oh, really? Wow, okay, that's a bad sign. That may be dangerous. May, yeah, yeah, you may want to get that checked <laughs> We'll get out. to it in my vibe check. Yeah, okay, In fairness, perfect. yeah, yeah Nick, Nick was complaining of feeling not good in the morning yesterday and didn't listen to his body, so just, just be careful. But to be fair, that didn't have anything to do with the Chiefs-Jags game. <laughs> Are you sure? I, I don't know. I'm not. Can you medically prove sure. that? I can't. I can't medically prove it. I'm just going <laughs> off my gut. But I think like even in the games where the Chiefs won relatively handily, the first Jags game is a great example of that. The Rams game, uh, the last Broncos game, I, I want to say. Maybe I'm getting confused with another one. But there have been a handful of those games this year 
where outcome was never in doubt. Chiefs were in control throughout. But it was never quite to the point of blowout. It was never quite to the point of, well, this game's officially over. Like Even in the Bryce Perkins-Rams game, he drove down the field that one drive in the third quarter, I think it was, and they scored, and you go, that's a 10-point game or whatever it was. It's like, oh, man, like maybe just put your foot down on their throat. And that is, I think, what we're kind of speaking to with Andy Reid is there have been so many of those games where it's yeah. like, you're, you're this far away from putting this team away and the game just being over. Just one more drive, march down the field, score, and stick the dagger in their hearts. And it seems like they never quite do it. And maybe we're just nitpicking. It's like, oh, you're winning 14 games. How about you win more comfortably? Win by more. Oh, you had four blowouts this year. Why not make it eight? You know, and some of that stuff's realistic, but it also is a product of how good they are. If you're this good, you have the best play caller, you have the best quarterback, you have great weapons, great understanding of what you guys do well, then is it that unrealistic to ask you to to put a few more of these teams away more resoundingly? Well, in the playoffs, too, it's like we don't care as much, Kayla. Like, a win's yeah. a win, maybe, but still, yeah. I get it. I'm torn because on one hand, I'm like, in a way, I respect about that about him, but also it just really is not great for viewing and gets my heart rate up. He's just too nice. Andy, it's always the long game. Like, Every everything is about like the thing to set up the thing. It's it's uh, Andy Dufresne in the prison cell, the rock hammer for the chess pieces into the poster, into working at the library, into working for the the warden. It's all a game. It's all working towards like the big picture, which is I'm gonna escape this with a win. It just might not. You know, you might have to cr- crawl through a river of shit in order Cody, to get there. This could have something for your vibe check. God, yeah, wow. that would have been a very good vibe check. Mm, that was good. God, it was, right now. Well, well, I came up with that analogy on the spot. What was I supposed to do? <laughs> Should have saved it. Either way, you get the point. Andy plays close games, but he wins most of them. So, so what? So what? Something else we do know regarding Saturday's game. McCole Hardman, once again, will not be on the field. Guys, do we think his season is done or is there a chance he plays again this season? I just want to know what's going on. They're so vague about it. it and they said from, he's still dealing with this issue. What is the from, issue? I don't know. I don't know. Covered this team for years. No idea. Uh, went from abdomen injury to abdomen illness to pelvic injury. So I don't know. Um, beats me. The guess is as good as anybody's because seemingly everyone who covers the team even more closely than we do also doesn't know what it is. The problem is Andy said it's not responding the way they want and they're going to completely back off of it, which means to me, plan your season without McCall Hartman. He's not playing this week. He didn't practice. Thursday or Wednesday, you know, Thursday will be essentially their Friday. He's not, he's not going to play, which leaves the one more week to get him ready. That seems too soon. He just had a bye week and couldn't get ready for that. So I don't know, long shot to play the Super Bowl. And at that point, I'm not so sure I'd want to force him into this offense anyway. What am I going to do? Force McCole Hardman's eight snaps. That's not going to be the difference between me winning or losing the Super Bowl at that point. So to me, the Chiefs should be making their plans like McCole Hardman's not a part of this season. I feel like this is one of those things where if you would have said it a month ago, I would have been like, you know, if you would have told me a month ago that this was going to play out exactly how it has, which is they're going to activate him at the last possible minute. He is going to be on track to play. And then all of a sudden, uh uh-oh, setback, not going to play. 
and then we're just never going to see McCole Hardman on the field. I would have said, oh, okay, yeah, that sounds about right. That with the way that coaches try to hide injury reports, and we've heard this before with Eric Berry. He was day to day for I think three and a half years. It was, and yep. so that's kind of what we're getting with McCole. I, I do think this: if he is held, like if he is cleared to play, and whatever setback that he encountered with whatever abdomen issue that he's dealing with because we don't know the specifics on any of that if he is able to go a couple days of practice is all it's going to take i think for andy reed to say we can use you because that's been the mo for this chief's offense we don't need to use you for 60 plays we don't need to use you for 40 plays can you give us 18 snaps because with those 18 snaps that's enough to leverage your speed and skill set against the defense Think about what the Chiefs have done with all of these different weapons that all do different things well. When, when you talk about guys having, you know, taking turns having their moment, whether it's Christian or Justin Watson or Kadarius Tony or Juju or MVS, the second you kind of you highlight one of those guys for a little bit, you've you've totally got the defense playing on their heels because now MVS beats you over the top or like going back to last week, Justin Watson beats you over the top for a 60-yard touchdown on the first play of the game. That's in your head now. Now you know 84 is on the field. Watch out for him because they'll go to him deep. And then what do you do? You start throwing those checkdowns to Tony and to Jarek McKinnon in the backfield, and they're uncovered, and they're turning a, a five-yard catch into a 25-yard gain. And the second that happens, what happens? Guys start playing a little bit closer up. Now you start taking your shots back downfield. McColl can have a role because of what he does well that can impact the team without having to play 60% of snaps just because of what his skill set does. It's a unique skill set that really... Only Kadarius Tony can do with that shiftiness, with his lateral quickness, the screen plays, making guys miss near the line of scrimmage. It's unique. It's not something that Juju or MVS or Justin Watson, any of those guys can do. So if you can get a few snaps out of him, I think that could be enough to win a game. Even if he only has two catches, three catches in a game, that might be enough to like really have your impact be felt. So I think that answers the question. Is this his moment to step up, Kadarius Tony? I mean, yeah. But the, the good <laughs> news is for him that I only need him to be half of McCole Hardman. And, and like, I know that doesn't make any sense. Let me explain. So McCole Hardman's <laughs> two greatest assets on this team. One, Nick already mentioned. He's fast. He's near the line of scrimmage. He's shifty. He does motion stuff. It's complicated. The other thing he did really well is score. He's really good at getting touchdowns. You can knock McCardman for a lot of things. He was good at scoring in his time here in Kansas City. And so that already got replaced. Turns out Jarek McKinnon is Justin Jefferson wrapped into Marshall Falk, wrapped into, you know, Barry Sanders. Doesn't matter. He's apparently the greatest receiving running back of all time. So we're good there. <laughs> and we don't have to worry about the red zone targets. Between him and Kelsey and some other guys, I mean, Patrick Holmes threw 41 touchdowns. They were the number one red zone scoring offense in the NFL. We're good there. What I need out of Kadarius Tony is the speed. What they lack with McCall Hartman on the field is speed. And speed makes them deceptive. That's why they went after MVS, the fastest available guy on the free agent market this offseason. It's why they consistently draft fast wide receivers like Sky Moore. They need speed. Speed allows them to be deceptive in a way they aren't without it. 
And that's where Kadarius Tony can really step up for this team. I don't think they're ever going to rely on him to be a seven target guy in a game. They just want to get him his two or three touches and then use his speed to deceive the other team. When you look at this season, Kadarius Tony only played in seven games for the Chiefs. I think it was three starts, but he averaged 12 yards a touch, which is third behind only Justin Watson and MVS. And what do we know about Justin Watson and MVS? They're getting deep shots downfield. That's the reason why their yards per touch is so high because most of their work is done with Patrick Mahomes just chucking the ball 50 yards. That's not how Kadarius Tony's played. Kadarius Tony is getting the dump downs, the underneaths, the making guys miss. I am already to the point where I think maybe the, the lack of experience holds him back in this regard. I already think Kadarius Tony is a more valuable weapon than Michael Hardman because I think he's I think Whoa. he's just I think he's more skilled. It's like having a great three point shooter in basketball. Is if Clay Thompson's on the floor, you've always got to pay attention to him, even if he's not touching the ball. It's not quite to the Tyree Kill level, but we saw that for years with Tyree Kill. You had to pay attention for him because if you even if you slept for a second, if you blinked and didn't account for him he was going to make you pay. And Tony has a little bit of that to him. I mean, there's not a player on the Chiefs that's more electric with the ball in his hands than he does. And I think even though he's only playing, I think the last three games, his snaps have been pretty consistent. He's playing around, you know, 18, 19, 20 snaps per game. But when he's on the field, you know opposing defenders are paying attention to where 19 is lined up. Is he moving before the snap? Are they setting up a screen for him? Are they going to hit him with one of those little touch passes when he's you know, moving as the ball is snapped? All of that stuff is massive that I don't think anybody else on the team really provides. So I'm, I'm bullish on this guy long-term. Like I'm excited to see what he can do with an offseason under his belt. But the Chiefs also just got another bye week. And I don't know anybody on the team other than guys who are dealing with health issues who that could benefit more than a guy who seems to be earning more trust of this coaching staff as the weeks go on. I think that one other thing that he might be better at than anybody else, Kayla, is playing big. That sounds stupid because MVS is like five inches taller than him. If you ask me who was going to win a jump ball, more likely it is by far and away, Tony. He plays bigger. Like Tyreek used to play big, right? Some guys, like, height is not about, that's not how you play big in the NFL. It's, will you go up and get a football? MVS just runs and hopes the ball lands in his lap. Kadarius Tony in the last Jags game, went up to go grab a ball on the sideline. So he is a dangerous player. It's just a matter of how they use him. All great points from both of you. Nick, I don't know if it's the studio mic, but you seem very chillaxed today out over chillaxed. there in your studio. Just, like, chilling back. Because I'm usually sitting in, like, a... <laughs> I'm usually sitting in a very uncomfortable <laughs> wooden bar stool when I'm at my house. You don't have a backrest? It does, but it's like one of the oh. short it's one of the short Oh ones. yes. And so now I'm sitting in like a computer chair and it leans back. And just kick uh, your feet up, pal. Make yourself yeah. at home. Do I sound more relaxed? Do I sound cool? You cooler? do. You I don't know if it's relaxed. the mic. You sound more relaxed. You look more relaxed. I don't have to lean forward. You know, I don't have to be like up here. I can just sort of sit back here and do my thing. I don't feel like well, anybody ever describes me as relaxed. Is that bad? Should I be more <laughs> relaxed? Yeah, that's a good point. 
I've definitely, ne- <laughs> I've definitely never heard anybody say that. You've known also, me a while now. We're all matching today. And you're our, like a, our gray. Cody, you're like a kind of like, you're like an, a walking Adderall pill. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I don't mean that as a negative. It's just like that. The, the energy level doesn't really dip with you. No, not, not usually. 